Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. Several years ago, I was visiting with my family, the great center of the universe, Disney World, the Magic Kingdom in particular, and I found myself on this, uh, in line for Space Mountain, the great roller coaster in the dark. And as I approached this massive ride, in front of me was a father and young son. The boy had barely met the height requirement to get onto the ride, and that alone was reason enough you could tell for him to feel not only very proud, but also very confident. The line was long. It wound through the building, and you found yourself walking through the corridors of space paraphernalia and sounds that made it appear as if you were on the final walk to board the space shuttle for liftoff. And so I noticed ahead of me that this little boy, who just moments before had been filled with a good share of bravado, all of a sudden wasn't feeling so courageous anymore. He grew more and more silent and then began asking questions of his father, questions that betrayed a a growing sense of reluctance. How fast is the ride, Dad? Uh, Are are there really big drops? Do you wear seatbelts? What if the seatbelts don't work? (laughs) Father did his best to dispel the boy's fears. Nevertheless, his steps grew more and more timid, and on his expression was revealed a face of doubt that wondered if he was ever going to get off this ride alive. Then came the moment of truth. Onto the platform, the boy and father were invited, the next step toward being onto the car that had yet to arrive. The boy froze, looked up at his father, panic filled his face, tears filled his eyes, a tremble came to his lip. He so wanted to be brave for his father. He so wanted not to let down his father. And so the father leaned over and whispered something into the boy's ear, something I couldn't hear. The little boy nodded his head and moments later took their place in line for the car 
Moments later, the car arrived, they stepped in, sat down, got pressed in by the mechanical harness. The boy stared ahead into the appending abyss, <laughs> and the father right behind him stared at him. And off they went into the darkness. I'll never forget that scene as long as I live. Faced with this scary moment, this decision, the boy looked up at only the person he could count on, the one he belonged to, waited for the word, and with the word, off they went. So much of life has to do with who you think you belong to. Remember the children's book by P.D. Eastman, Are You My Mother? The story about the little bird upon being hatched does not see his mother. She's gone to get him some food. So she, she sets off on a journey to find his mother. He comes upon all sorts of animals and things and asks, are you my mother? He asks a kitten, no. A hen, no. A dog, no. A cow, no. A boat, no. A plane, no. A steam shovel, no. In fact, the only thing the steam shovel can say is snort. Finally, he gets lifted back on to, up into the nest by the steam shovel and finds there his real mother. Do you know who I am? Asks the mother. Yes, I know who you are, said the baby bird. You are not a kitten. You are not a hen. You are not a dog. You are not a cow. You are not a boat. You are not a plane or a snort. You are a bird and you are my mother. He knows now who he is because he knows who she is. He belongs to her and only her. So much of life has to do with who you think you belong to. Like the time when I was in middle school, junior high, we called it back then, and my parents took me on a trip back behind the Iron Curtain. One of our stops was Moscow, and while we were there, my father was able to get two tickets for me and him to go see the Soviets play the Irish national team in soccer. What a thrill for a ninth grade boy. We took a taxi to the stadium and saw the Soviets beat the Irish one to nothing, boo. And when the game was over, we came out of the stadium, all 60,000 of us, and found that there were no taxis. There were no taxis running after 6 o'clock. The only way to travel now was by subway, and the Moscow subway is beautiful, but it had only one station for a stadium of 60,000 people. So we walked probably 30,000 Russians and us who didn't have a car and the, only to the one subway station that was there and my father could see that this was not going to be good and as we approached the station we found rows of Soviet soldiers forming a human funnel for us to squeeze into as we approached the one entrance. 60,000 people funneled into one entrance. This was one of those crowds where, you know, people get separated and crushed. And before we knew it, we were inside this vortex. And as we started into the vortex, my father turned around and he could see this look of panic on, his fa on my face. And he said this to me, he said, I want you to do one thing. I want you to grab onto the back of my belt. I want you to grab on and don't even think about letting go. And if you hold on to this belt, then you're gonna be all right. And so, in the darkness of the crushing crowd, I held onto the back of the belt of this man in whose eye I had once been a gleam. And as the crush came, I held on, the crush of humanity, I held on, and at the end, I was all right. Tears streaming, ribs and arms a little bruised, but I was all right. I have never had a more intense experience of belonging. I belong to this man. I held that belt because I belonged to him, and he was going to get me through this crushing crowd. 
So much of life has to do with who you think you belong to. For the season of Lent, we have been reciting the first question and answer from one of the Presbyterian Church's historic confessions of faith, the Heidelberg Catechism from 1563. And the first question of the Catechism, as you just remember, and perhaps the most important question is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't belong to me. No, I belong to Jesus. I look up at the face of the Nazarene. I grab on his belt and I say, I belong to you. So much of life has to do with who you think you belong to. It may be in so many words what Jesus was saying when he told his disciples that if they had any thought of following him, that they better get ready to pick up their crosses. It was his way of saying that I'm headed to the cross, and if you belong to me, well, then you will go to the cross with me. Earlier, Peter had heard Jesus saying about, talking about going to the cross, and Peter, thinking he was doing Jesus a favor, decided to give Jesus a little life coaching. Isn't that great? Peter thinks Jesus needs a little life coaching. Jesus needs, you know, a little help with his life. Hey, Jesus, I don't think it's a good idea you go to Jerusalem. I don't think it's a good idea to face off with the religious rulers. I don't think it's a good idea to stand up for what you think. Let me give you a little advice. Too risky. Too, too uh, dangerous. And Jesus says to Peter, I don't belong to you. I be, you belong to me. You're not driving this boat, pal. I'm driving the boat. You and I are going where we need to go. You know, there's something wonderful and thrilling about belonging. It's one of the great securities of life when you are assured that you belong to someone. When a couple comes together in marriage, what each says to the other is that I now belong to you. Not you belong to me, I now belong to you. I am in your arms, I am assured of your love, I am guaranteed your fidelity. I am jumping on the space mountain with you. I belong to you. There's nothing more wonderful than knowing that you belong to someone. When, when Jesus says you belong to me, it really is, isn't it? Our only comfort in life and in death to know that we don't belong to ourselves, that we belong to this one who is wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the good shepherd, who says, latch onto my belt and don't let go and I will get you through the crushing crowds of life and I will take you where we need to go and I will not let you go because you belong to me. I will hold on to you through your life and through your death and back into life. And in the end, it will be your only, hear this, in the end, it will be your only comfort. One of the worst funerals I've ever done is the funeral of a wonderful mother and father who died together at the hand of their teenage son. I will spare you the gruesome details, but their death was awful and it was meaningless. And I stood before the silent, sobbing congregation, and as I met eyes with the remaining son sitting in the first pew, whose brother was on the run and whose parents were in caskets 
right in front of him, I recited the first answer of this Heidelberg Catechism, that our only comfort in life and in death is that we belong body and soul in life and in death, not to ourselves, but to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ that Jesus will let us go no matter what, will not let us go no matter what. For neither death nor life, wrote the apostle, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It matters who you belong to. And we belong to Jesus. And Jesus will never let us go. Which means, of course, that we get to live with courage. We can live with conviction. We can live now the way Jesus wants us to live. We can go with Jesus to the cross because Jesus is never going to let us go. We belong to him, which may explain why that young man in that front pew between, before those two caskets, why that young man became a missionary and is still a missionary in Ghana, Africa. We belong to Jesus, and Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, you can live a life free to do dangerous and courageous things. Ask Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who took up his cross and confronted the Nazis. Ask Bishop Oscar Romero, who took up his cross and confronted the Junta of El Salvador. Ask Martin Luther King Jr., who took up his cross and conf confronted Jim Crow. Ask Dorothy Day, who took up her cross and stood up to the poverty of Hell's Kitchen. We can do these things because we belong to Jesus. We love with abandon. We give with great sacrifice. We make pledges to the church. We go last instead of first. We clothe the naked. We feed the hungry. We care for the sick. We do these things because we belong to Jesus. It's what the journey of Lent is all about, right? Fixing our eyes on the man going to the cross, grabbing hold and saying, Jesus, I belong to you. I don't belong to anyone else. I don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to the latest guru. I don't belong to my financial advisor. I don't belong to that stupid talking head on TV. I don't belong to my boss. I don't belong to the preacher. I don't belong to the Democrats. I don't belong to the Republicans. I don't belong to Joe Biden. I don't belong to Donald Trump. I don't belong to red. I don't belong to blue. I belong to Purple, because purple is the color of Jesus. Purple is the color they put on Jesus when he was steps away from the cross. Crown of thorns, a purple robe. Purple, why? Because it's the color of royalty. We belong to the Lord of lords, the King of kings. We belong to King Jesus. We are the purple people. We are looking to Jesus, latching onto his belt, and we will go wherever he leads us. We take up our crosses because Jesus is taking up his, and just like like Jesus, we will offer our lives as a fragrant offering to the Lord and our neighbor, and we will do it with courage, and we will do it with conviction, because Jesus hath a hold on us, and Jesus will never let us go.